This is Han Solo, and you're listening to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I don't know. Fly casual. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to a special episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I, as always, am your host, Alden Diaz, here at a, uh, a momentous crossroads in our lives. The point between uh, having no Star Wars and having Star Wars. Some of the most exciting days for anybody that loves the galaxy far, far away. This is a time where we can all just breathe and take a moment and enjoy just the bliss of knowing that it's coming and seeing you know our characters on the horizon. But there's still so many surprises to be to be had and to be experienced. And there's no discourse. And it's just great. It's just a wonderful time. And today... Uh, I am joined by somebody who I know relates to me on all those points and and is also enjoying this this experience and this time of just reveling in Star Wars being right on the horizon. You know him, you love him from Imperial Senate Podcast here on Rewatch Between Worlds, a collaborator of ours on Casually Talk. It's Nikki Kumar. How you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> I, I, I really thought you were going to say, let's abbreviate this moment about <laughs> of Star Wars on the <laughs> Let's really abbreviate. This This moment is the reclamation of everything that I have. <laughs> That I've laid out for you. Thanks, John Favreau and Dave, for this reclamation. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, I like that you said I'm doing okay because honestly, I am too. I don't know if yeah. people have been following along. Last episode released on this feed was about depression, so that's a mood. Um, thanks everybody for the kind words on that. By the way, it was it was fun to make. Uh, at the time of this recording, it's only been out for like a day, but gotten messages about it, texts about it, and I'm glad. And we'll do another one of those mm-hmm. soon. And I liked the looseness of that. And, you know, it's not that I don't like a nice produced show because I do. It's what I do for a living and things like that. But I also am not really interested in doing a Mandalorian season three hype episode. That's like, what do you need to be prepared? What do you like? What should you rewatch? What do we think is going to happen? What do we think about what already happened? There'll be a little bit of that last part. But honestly, if you want to be like actually prepped, go to Star Wars Explained. Mm-hmm. um that's and that's They're not like that. yeah that's They're not me that. that's 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 a genuine recommendation i'm yeah. not gonna do it better than them no one's gonna do it better than them alex damon molly damon the best duo in the in the explaining business they've got you covered every which way short form long form trivia character based mm-hmm. arcs episode reviews just go over there but what i really wanted to do here was sort of a, a reflection on how this story has sort of sat with us over the past few years in a post Skywalker saga landscape, it felt like, you know, that storm of 2019 of getting rise of Skywalker Mandalorian season one fallen order. And then we get into 2020 and that's when higher public starts. And it's like, mm. it was just bam, 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 bam. There was all these things, but now that we're in 2023 Mandalorian season three is coming and it's now the bedrock of post return of the Jedi storytelling. Mm. It is sort of the other thing. It's not that it is as big as the Skywalker saga yet. Um, And that's, you know, that's still a matter of opinion. But like Star Wars is never not going to be, you know, Han Solo, Chewbacca, Darth Vader, Princess Leia, R2. Like that. that's always going to be Star Wars when you say it. But we're getting to the point now where there are people whose entry point was this, whose quote-unquote main star wars is this where they might think Mm -hmm. about it in the flip which is really interesting like 
oh mandalorian's coming back and there are other star wars stories too and and oh or the like i think we were talking who were we talking to the other night maybe you were we were hanging out but somebody said um one of our friends said that one of their friends in real life off the internet said i I love star wars big stars fan haven't seen the movies yet though (laughs) and 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 like and like amazing it shocked me to my core but it is valid of course yeah yeah you know i love i love that you started here because i i said before we started recording i had a prop Mm. and prop comes with a a very short story Mm. um and that was i was in barnes and noble the other day and as any good star wars fan in barnes and noble you know i i uh I was walking past the magazine section, mm. you know, and you know, take a little, take a little look. What's what's around? Um, they don't make they don't make the entertainment magazines like they used to, you know. No, nah, but uh, but every now and again you catch them, and you can see this, but the listeners won't. But it is the um, newest Star Wars Insider, and the the cover story is the journey of Din Djarin. There's a very glorious picture of our beloved Mando on the front. Mm-hmm. And I saw it and I looked at him and I looked at his simply not to use an overstated word, but iconic armor. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought to myself, it's insane to me that we existed with Star Wars for so long and he was not a part of it. Yeah. Like that's that's how ingrained he is now in our fandom and the wider fandom and the story of star wars so it's like i had i picked it up i like i had to get it because he looks great it's a very interesting story there's a great katie sackoff uh interview as well mm. and yeah i think it just really hit me in the way you, you were talking about how like star wars will always be han and leia and vader but also this guy is entering top billing very yeah. quickly and yeah. and like yeah just looking at his photo I was like, how did we go so long without him? Like, how did, mm-hmm. like, it's just how, how did we not have him before? Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a real testament to what this show is and how it has really become this post saga. Like, this is the one. It almost feels like everything else is tangentially aiding this, right? Mm-hmm. As far as, you know, we know animation blazes its own path. But there's stuff with the Bad Batch. Um, what's her name? Nala Say. Oh yeah, Nala Say. Going, going to Mount Tantus. Pershing and what's yeah. going on there? Pershing, like we we feel like there's a very strong link being built there. Yeah. Um, Fennec Shan is being yeah. friends with both Fennec, Boba yep. and Omega. Exactly. Um, Book of Boba Fett, obviously the other big show that came out, branched right off of this mm-hmm. and back into it. You know, it's all, it's like a, you know, a side current. Um, and then what what else? Obviously, like um, Tales of the Jedi, it's like the the informing of Ahsoka mm-hmm. is going to reinform her for this live action show, which, yeah. by the way, is actually kind of a branch of Mandalorian, too. Right. Yeah, which and it is. Like, and, and through Ahsoka and Bo-Katan. It, like you said, animation blazed a trail. Then Din Djarin's story is is fresh and new, but is also a continuation, but is mm-hmm. also a jumping on point, which Star Wars mm-hmm. is really good at. You don't need to watch any of the animation to enjoy this, but, but Bo-Katan and Ahsoka are serialized stories that 
build and we had Clone Wars season seven in there, which had Bo in it and had the key Mandalorian event of of this mythology. And now we're going to explore Mandalore again. And yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. weird, right? Like you, I love that you brought up Din as an iconic character, which he already is. And his simplicity and and the real life story, you know, is super entertaining in terms of just like it, it feels like how could he have ever been this alternate sort of afterthought? Like you can't have Boba Fett, so you just do like another Boba Fett. But he mm-hmm. immediately felt so whole and he was so complete that this other character, this sideshow, like yeah, it was the first live action Star Wars show, so it was huge in that respect. And then there was the Grogu of it all too, but it was the other thing. Like we were still in like Star Wars movies, and then there are other things. Mm-hmm. Now he is the main thing. Like yeah. he's the main character of Star Wars right now, mm-hmm. um, which is a really, really weird and and good and positive place to be in. Um, but it's surreal to think that it's just an institution. Like when I. Like you said, like it's weird to think that we grew up in the the prequel era, and th- there was just no like Mandalorians were a thing that like existed, but they were like just that thing that was in Clone Wars mm-hmm. and Legends. You know, I'm trying to think when I don't know what year it was, probably 18, when we got that very first still yeah. of him, and yeah, it's just like you know back then. It, it was that idea of like, oh, okay, cool. And then there there are plenty of Mandalorian skeptics. Mm-hmm. Not 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 necessarily the show, but like people are just like, oh, they just like are like these soldiers or whatever, like mm-hmm. warrior, boring, pew pew. You know, like mm-hmm. there's there was that too with um, you know, the classic people who, you know, nobody wanted this um type of attitude. And now, now to to see them be both him and Grogu, like you said, the main they are the main crux, the main characters, the main thrusting force of, yeah, like this post twenty nineteen sort of world of Star Wars. Like they just feel like, culturally speaking, like a wider pop culture, they are the ones the world has their eyes on. Yeah, I mean they're the second saga in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Like like the Skywalker saga ended, um, for now. I'm not naive enough to think that it will like I lived yeah. through a Skywalker saga ending and yeah. now I've lived through it otherwise. So people we all, we all have three. The, the complete saga of Blu-ray. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. 2011. Yeah. Love that one. I'm going to have Which to, is a great it is a great, great packaging. I love if that they packaging. do it another if they do it similarly mm-hmm. with, with all nine. Then you got to do Jake Lloyd at the front, then Mark Hamill and then in the back Daisy, like the, the ending shot of Rise. Just yeah. Like, have them all yeah. together the foreground midground the background yeah that'd be great 100 um calls disney but yeah just <laughs> it, it, it's really it, it's it's just a really great time to sort of appreciate i think why this story has resonated so much which is sort of what we're going to be talking about that's sort of the main point of this is to unpack and explore the emotions of it the the instantly engaging sort of like universal qualities of the story because it's something that you know it's very obvious sort of corporate speak to be like it has something for everyone like yeah yeah uh uh-huh most most star wars does Mm -hmm. most you know big franchise stuff does but something about this really just spoke to people on a fundamental level in a way that new hope does and Mm -hmm. And it just got people and it got them on a magic trick, which is so surreal to look back on now 
the show that they sold to in my mind is not bad but it's vastly uh more narrow than mm. than what they have just like the the gunslinger on the outskirts like when you look at favreau's initial instagram post with that crawl that he typed up that just talks about boba fett and Django fett and how there's a new gunslinger in the age of the new republic it was like okay that sounds badass and then you watch the trailer and even at celebration chicago in 2019 mm. seeing that panel like we got a little bit of a sizzle we saw IG-11 and Cara Dune and Grief Karga, and then we saw a little bit more of like the client, and we were like, okay, yeah, this is still a, yeah. still a hard-edged, really hard-edged. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, that's the thing. Nobody could have imagined how actually silly and whimsical like this show is, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that, like, that's the thing. It was badass, hard-edged. Like, like everything seemed like it was just going to be like oh this is this is cool star wars and and i think people who are putting their money on that because there is that you know a certain group of fan who just wants badass star wars mm-hmm. um and is sort of like reluctant to celebrate the silly and i think that was something that probably either, i think excited a lot of people who were on the other hand not feeling the sort of like oh i don't want to just like kind of grim shoot them up star wars um so like it brought them in and then maybe freaked out the people who thought it was just going to be that um but yeah you're totally right on how we we had no idea what they were they were selling i think it was just more like for people like us of course being excited to watch new star wars and new a new show a new frontier and and how these stories are going to be told. Um, but yeah, it it totally, I think, surprised, you know, so many of us. And just that last, and like, yeah, I was just watching, last night I was watching the, the pilot on FX. <laughs> and, <laughs> which I haven't revisited in a long time. Yeah. And yeah, just seeing that last, um, last scene with IG-11 and Din and, and Grogu. And it's just like, again, like just the humor of that alone when IG-11 is like, um, you may live a long time. Too bad we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> shoot this like, baby. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that kind of sort of um, sort of silliness again is is something that I don't think anyone thought was coming. No, not at all. And and immediately when that happened, I mean, it took the world by storm. Of course, Grogu, Grogu mania. You know, just the it, he's a thing that people that don't even watch or engage with Dude, Star Wars know about at this point. Working in a toy store, famous for its Star Wars product. Yeah. When when season one came out, was an experience <laughs> because <laughs> there was nothing. So yeah, nothing. And so many people were coming. Do you have Baby Yoda? Do you have Baby Yoda? Mm-hmm. Like, no, we don't. We haven't done it yet. It's like they're keeping it secret, so it's like yeah, you can tell why there's n- nothing in the pipeline. Um, and then once they were able, you know, you can't you can barely move for a baby Yoda, um, plushie or <laughs> or minifigure or keychain or whatever. Yeah, it's 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 almost like at this point it feels like well yeah of course, but at the time you know the big swings the to to do a show and not really sell it as what it was to hide mm-hmm. something as beautifully effective and as viscerally 
um spiritual as grogu's story is that's how sweet and tender as it is mm-hmm. um everything about it was just sort of lightning in a bottle and now that we've had this story across really three seasons with including book of boba fett and now moving into uh season three proper what do you think that you are still responding to at this point like what why this show um as something that excites you something that you really love because i feel like there's so much that we we talk about we think about this stuff when we're just like living our lives mm-hmm. um and there is a lot that is classic and that is just like oh yeah star wars always does that but mm-hmm. it is different you know this is not a young person's journey it's the journey of a grown man and his 30s 40s it's you know he's masked all the time which generally when we were growing up was the villain thing Mm. um there are some changes and some subversions and stuff so why this show uh as the torchbearer why does that make sense (laughs) um i think there's no there's no one thing right like the one thing is the fact that it's the mandalorian Mm. and then there are subcategories within that that i think make it so special to respond to i think the first being um star wars is always and continues to currently be so good at the story of protector and child kind of thing mm-hmm. um obi-wan and leia hunter and omega din and grogu like that relationship i think is so fundamentally human mm-hmm. that it's impossible to not love it um I think, and if you don't love it, I think you're fighting something inside yourself. Like, I agree. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, just stop resisting. Um, because it's, it's something again, like just fundamental to who we are. Like, like when Leia holds Obi-Wan's hand, it's like every paternal instinct inside you is like, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Um, and it's just like, I think that is very meaningful and and the idea of these two people who really had nothing um and then they sort of get each other i think that is just fundamentally i mean with pedro's other show last of us mm-hmm. like that's that's the key thing there like it's just it's everywhere um it's such a like key fundamentally human story so i think that on its own is probably the primary driver of why like we're so stuck on it and then and then also i think about my own experience and it's like when the legend stuff i loved the most was this corridor right after return of the jedi and like not too far past return of the jedi yeah so i think i'm really responding to this idea of filling out a galaxy in this era when it's like imperial remnant the um, new republic's kind of fresh and like figuring out what it is where it goes what it's willing to do um you're sort of getting characters like like Carson Teva who you know is from a rebellion you can assume rebellion pilot to now essentially a <laughs> like a, a beat cop like, yeah. through the galaxy um and it's like sort of that like I, I always love pilots so like just anything that um adds a new element to how I sort of see what their job was is interesting to me. And so sort of this idea of just building out this post return of the Jedi 
new republic era seeing new flavors seeing new who is involved in what like you know with um the story of mandalore and and that society and how that you know branches off from clone wars and rebels and all that and it's like there's just this really rich sort of like stew going Mm -hmm. in this time frame and then like that's probably the second aspect then the third aspect i think is as simple as i've really come to love and appreciate what john favreau and dave filoni have contributed are continuing to contribute their partnership as creatives i think it's something that like i feel very strongly with about like positively about and like invested in them as mm. as storytellers so there's something kind of special when it's like okay it's it's their turn now again to step up to the plate and mm. and take a swing so there's something just very exciting about knowing they're they're back on um back batting <laughs> i guess you know yeah yeah I, I agree with so much of that i mean when you look at the, the actual world and how this this time period in star wars in the canon that you described with the remnant and with the new republic and with what's happening like this is sort of in a way wish fulfillment like this feels very mythologically important and it feels Mm. almost like still like surreal that it's being explored because we had it in legends and legends we've got every every time luke like uh, had a cup of coffee after return of the jedi till the day died like legends was Mm -hmm. so full we Mm -hmm. knew everything we had everyone's children we had everyone's descendants we had everyone's like but then canon comes around this fresh slate and we had the sequel trilogy then there was like and 30 years that i don't know what happened Mm -hmm. and we would get flashes little teeny tiny things you know a four issue shattered empire series a little thing here and there an interlude you know this is what jar jar is up to and you know in an interlude like you'd get tiny small things but for a show to say here we are you know five years after jedi and to be like oh my god like we're here like actively showing me stories and then for that to expand out and for us to see like here's Tatooine and there's stormtrooper helmets on spikes you know a really Mm. small just like cool striking image but like we're living in it now this is like this feels like ground that we would all sort of fantasize about collectively like a shared sort of fever dream and then that builds and builds and builds and builds until suddenly it's like Luke Skywalker is a supporting character in these shows Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and he's just there you've got a mix of originals uh like Din like Carson who you mentioned like Grief uh Pele Motto uh Fennec Shan there's tons of new characters and and fresh ideas and, and places but then you've got Luke you have Ahsoka Tano you've got droids and ships that come from Fallen Order and and Phantom Menace and like it's this cocktail that this creative partnership is is having their give take happen before our very eyes as John Favreau an OT purist guy sort of becomes more of the prequels fan and more the animation fan and starts to learn more mm-hmm. than Dave who is animation becomes a live action guy and now solidified is is about to show run a live action series on his mm-hmm. own i mean john is there but like he's about to be the a guy on ahsoka yeah and now and with both of them also tipping their hat to 
JJ and Ryan by exactly, showing yeah. Luke's school and by building up these seeds of maybe Snoke and it's all become uh you know I'm going to say the word become a tapestry even more so than it was yeah um and 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 there's the thread and that's that's, yeah. the that's <laughs> yeah. still really surreal um and then your other point which I think is is you know the soul of it all is that found family is such a big thing and when you distill it down to the lone wolf and cub sort of uh paradigm that that archetypal relationship we all sort of have had that even people mm-hmm. out there you know who have who have lived lives where maybe they didn't have their parents or they had a grandparent or they had an aunt or an uncle whatever it was no baby actually raised themselves everyone mm-hmm. listening to this had a person you know even even an yeah. older sibling or, or a teacher or somebody there's something there that we're just like i get that when when din makes his choice in the sin to defy the bounty hunters guilds rules and to go back on and you know and get his his quarry as as uh grief cargo says yeah it, he he's making a choice that's a human choice and i think everybody I think sometimes what the show does well is that we're ahead of him because we know there's no way in hell is he going to leave this baby with Werner Herzog. Mm-hmm. But what we're invested in is, is seeing the choices play out. Not so much like there's nothing shocking about this. It, it does shock people, you know, at times like with Luke and stuff, but there's something that we are all wanting to see things play out for him in the spirit of not starting a journey, but, beginning again which is something that star mm. wars hadn't really had done but hadn't wasn't really in the business of doing so much mm-hmm. star wars is always about young people whether it was anakin yeah. ray ezra cal Kestis, luke of course leia but now with mandalorian and book of boba fett you've got characters you know din boba fennec shan that are older people you know pedro's mm-hmm. in his 40s tomorrow morrison's in his 60s mingna's in her 50s and these are people that are like what do i do now and I think mm-hmm. that's a really valid story too. Is restarting is as important as starting, which yeah. Luke did in Last Jedi. Like, how do you sort of boil it down? And we want people to to be better. And I think yeah. that's why we. That's something that you can't really quantify. You just show me somebody that I know they could make a better choice, and you're gonna want them to. Yeah, it's it's like um, it's honestly yeah, it's like turning all these people like giving them a second roll of the dice at life mm-hmm. and then also like making them underdogs right? like you know mm-hmm. um it's it's i think yeah just take those three helmeted characters right of of din Bo, and boba and it's like think about where they all are like Bo is god knows where in season three um yeah. you know just chilling by all accounts by safe, herself safe bet <laughs> yeah. is on angry i yeah. think that's a good yeah. bet yeah, and um, and then yeah, Boba like literally has nothing and wants his armor back and you know gets his ship back eventually and yeah. and it's just like yeah and, and Din is alone right mm-hmm. just doing stuff and it's like yeah it, it automatically like underdogs them and then it's a chance to see them rise up again and you know that's the, basically the like one of the oldest tricks in the book of any way to sympathize with the character is you know show them good at something and then tell them they can't have it right mm-hmm. and it's just like it's like that on a cosmic life scale right yeah. like he's uh it's you know 
you don't have you're not afforded peace mm-hmm. and and so then to just find them or watch them especially din you know sort of break out of this you know inability to because obviously i think you can kind of tell from his stuff in the covert even they're not his family mm-hmm. right like they don't know like who's this guy right nobody's yeah. really connected to that that's why it's a big deal when they come to to fight for him in, in the sin um and so yeah it's just kind of like this this idea of watching people down on their luck like you know he's not he's not like the the clone trooper in <laughs> in uh obi-wan begging right. for change but like he he's not thriving no um, he's not so especially it's, when it's like like you said show me something that they're good at we know he was an awesome bounty hunter and he's a great warrior like mm-hmm. you're never worried for din in combat situations because he is sort of like indiana jones meets batman he gets mm-hmm. ass beat a lot but he's very well equipped and will normally come out on top and he's very imposing and intimidating and very capable mm-hmm. but what he's good at very naturally is being a dad Mm-hmm. but there's a religious element telling him he can't there's the jedi element that he doesn't understand that he thinks is telling him maybe he can't um mm-hmm. that grogu has to make the choice about there's all of these things situationally the the legacy of the dark saber is involved now and that might be preventing him from just having that like like you said keeping him uh from attaining some sort of peace and from and from leaning into what he might naturally want to be um mm-hmm. which is just a guy which he hasn't had the chance to just be and i think that's another thing is that this show is a lot in a lot of ways about people that want to be a thing or that want something very very simple and being told that they can't because of really no good reason mm-hmm. even even the people that he helps like Cobb Vanth, like, what does he want if not just for his town to be left alone and for kids to be able to go to school and for people to be safe? Frog Lady just wants to go back to her husband. Like, mm-hmm. these are very simple, classically like Western, very like easily relatable people that pop out, pop in and out throughout his journey. Yeah. That, that he's able to relate to in all of those ways. Like mm-hmm. every everybody that he meets along the way, one thing I love. That's why I immediately like went to bat for something like the passenger um, was because when she's talking to him using the droid to actually speak, right. it's like what she's describing is like, you want to do right by your kids and you're trying to be a parent and you want them to go on and all these things yeah. that it's like, yeah, buddy, she's describing your show. To they, you. <laughs> they all hold up a mirror. Yeah, like, that's the point. And it's like whether he sees himself or whether he sees what he doesn't want to be mm-hmm. like it's always relevant i think like this in, is... in mayfeld and sometimes they see themselves in his shiny mm-hmm. shiny bucket head and he doesn't want to be like mayfeld and them because that's what he used to be yeah. in times we didn't see yeah. but then those people crack a little bit too and when we meet mayfeld he's garbage and then we learn he's really traumatized. When we meet Fennec Shand, she's presented as this like kind of one note ultimate badass. Even Din's like, nah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even mess with her. Like, mm-hmm. but then she's got a very profound sense of honor um, that mm-hmm. comes through in her relationships. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what yeah, that's fundamental. That's one of the I think lasting 
fan curses of this show is how how badly people like understand or fail to understand why these intersections happen Mm -hmm. and it's like and i don't know what it is i don't know where it came from i don't know if it's like enough people read screenwriting for dummies and then have a loose concept of like a and b plot and they think like anything that (laughs) deviates in their head from like well why is he not just doing this and like they just don't but did did, didn't save the cat did he save the cat (laughs) did he (laughs) what is his central wound what is going on and it's just like you know, I think stories make you ask questions, like about it, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I think people are afraid of that sometimes, where it's like, oh, I had to think about this, therefore they didn't do it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I really, I wish it could be explained properly, uh, because I would probably just end up. Um, throwing insults around yeah Um, i mean and it also like plays by very 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 classically established rules yeah we've talked about a little bit but also breaks a few of them especially when you bring in the book of boba fett of it all like book of Mm -hmm. boba fett brought in novel-esque storytelling Mm -hmm. of we're gonna bounce over here for a second which you know no one has a problem if you're doing that and it's like lord of the rings and like we get to the second one and suddenly we're with this Faramir guy and it's like, oh, he's the brother of this guy. The first one didn't tell me that he had a brother. Like no one lobs mm-hmm. those criticisms that way. But I think that because this is people have it in their minds, like, is it episodic or is it overarching? Mm-hmm. And both Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett were like, we're going to do both. And yeah. people didn't know how to handle that. Like we've audience trained people almost too much. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that's the it was a bit of you have you must unlearn what you have learned with with the structure. Is that from right? Star Trek? Um I don't know. Some parts of the Caribbean. I th- I thought I just came up with that. <laughs> oh, that's original. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh so but yeah, it's like um you you sort of have to it's like what do you what do you think about this? Oh, you stop thinking that mm-hmm. and just let's reset. I th- I can't remember. I think people like got mad about this quote but i remember i think it was ming no one talked about it before the show came out about how this was mandalorian 2.5 or no it may may have been favreau um i think favreau said it and it's like said it kathy kennedy said it yeah and so i think it became this thing of like stop thinking of it as two shows it's one story Mm -hmm. more now more than ever in the in the world of star wars it is one story it's all one story yeah um and i think that again that like you see this with bad batch where people are like you know um you know the, oh the show forgot its main characters you know because they go show something else mm-hmm. and it's like it's not how it works like this is all they're all existing in the same world yeah it's like it's like it's like again it's like calling game of thrones like oh it's like three shows in one it's like no it's it's like the same thing with mm-hmm. different perspectives and they're all sort of mingling in this world that's falling apart and i think that's yeah. what is star wars like so much more now than ever and when you get those and, crosses it matters you know it's yeah, speaking to you yeah. and it, it rewards that experience it's not saying you need them um but you know game of thrones did it sort of we we're watching that linearly and you know, when Barristan Selmy shows up in the Daenerys storyline, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, it's him. But when Star Wars does it, it's, 
across the entire sort of breadth of what they offer. You know, you watch something like Andor, and we know that Mon Mothma scenes there are very like intimately connected to what's happening in Rebels mm-hmm. later on. They don't need to tell you that. It's not like old Marvel comics where it's like, see, issue, whatever. You know, they put a little <laughs> box in the corner. But when Din Djarin is having his moments of being sort of like, you know, our lovable dummy who doesn't realize even what a Star Wars is, like that's by design. And that's part of the magic of the show because he is sort of the ultimate, you know, he he, he's, he embodies complete Star Wars-ness, but also can be the end character where mm-hmm. we look at him as, you know, really hardcore dedicated fans. I think about this stuff all day and we're like, oh, okay, so he's, this guy, he's in the Bounty Hunting Guild. We know this, this, and this about his armor, where he's from, what he does. He was saved by Death Watch. Now he's part of the Children of the Watch. And there's this, this, and this. <laughs> Other people that are fresh to Star Wars and are just trying out the show on the streaming service that they pay for, he's yeah. that guy. And <laughs> and he expresses some of what they express. Is, yeah. is, is that look Jedi to you? Things like that. And <laughs> it reminds and me of, part uh, of the magic. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Borman. <laughs> one episode where he's like sorry i wasn't here can you just like recap everything <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like sometimes you kind of just need especially in something so sprawling as this world they're building between so many shows now mm-hmm. sometimes you just need that guy who doesn't know what the deal mm-hmm. is and yeah it's it's a it's a very effective way to um open up the world teach you about or teach you about the characters who are like exposition i think gets talked about negatively a lot and like it's one of those things where it's like it's become one of those things that is almost like a like a color grading level critique like you know like i'm just gonna throw this because this is a buzzword um and like oh too much exposition i was like well okay exposition has function right like it is necessary and i think um something that is really key to it is Exposition also is not just to inform you about like a general situation. It can also be informing you about who the person is giving the exposition. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's not about it's not just like oh, look at the dumping plot. Like, yeah. what's their point also, of view on what they're saying? Exactly. Like, how do they present the? How do they present facts? Why do they present facts? And I think it's also a key fundamental element of genre, right? Like, yeah, like Tolkien and Star Trek are built on exposition. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exposition dumps like we think about the Council of Elrond as this moment that moves us in Fellowship of the Ring. It is a it is a central (laughs) exposition dump in all of pop culture. (laughs) That is is really what it is. Dialogue is. telling me someone's name <laughs> and, and <laughs> like, who his daddy is yeah like, and it's he, like yeah and yeah i think that's the thing and like any writing trick or necessity there are good ways to do it and bad ways to do it mm-hmm. and yeah like of course you can critique a bad way but like i think uh i think it just became one of those like blanket blanket terms <laughs> where people are like oh they just have to like dump it all on us um because they can't plot it correctly and it's like no you know there there are ways to do it that continue to inform on um on the people involved and not just the events and i think that's what the mandalorian is actually very good at Mm -hmm. where the people he interacts with are not just filling out the galaxy 
they're giving you context on who they are, why they are, mm-hmm. what what their importance is in just his story. So I think it's it's sort of again like one of the great lamentable things that it's part such a big part of the the online discourse for this show is is this idea of cameos, <laughs> which has been has been obliterated in, as a word into God. into total meaningless. It just um, makes me want to smash my head into my keyboard um repeatedly until I'm unconscious. But because it <laughs> it, it takes away from exactly what we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Point of view what how characters challenge each other, how they inform each other. You know, you could pick anyone that is a guest starring character or a recurring role in Mandor Book of Boba Fett. And what they are contributing to the story is stuff that Din and Grogu have to reconcile with. There's a give take there. Cobb Vance is a great example because the Marshall, um, it's not it's not like better or, or worse than any episode because of this, but it has a unique feeling of sort of being like a Star Wars short film. Like it kind of just plays with its own three act structure in a certain way. Like it just mm. is. Like I feel like you could show that to somebody who doesn't know Star Wars and just like here's a western and it's got a dragon at the end. Like yeah. it just it just sort of plays. Cobb Vanth, his he's there to give a lot of exposition and to also, you know, nudge us toward the Boba Fett storyline that would come later. Um, but his point of view challenges did, but it's also very valid from mm-hmm. where he what he feels and what he needs and what he's willing to do and the deal that they strike and 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 there's that across the board we talked about frog lady we've talked about bo katan who is such a complicated nuanced character who's been on a redemption arc across now three whole series she's been uh, a redemption roller coaster <laughs> yeah honestly it is a redemption roller coaster like when yeah. we met her in clone wars it was like oh that that's mm-hmm. the duchess's sister who's a terrorist um working with a villain a, a, like an objectively a villain in pre i think um, her first is her first involvement in anything star wars calling Ahsoka too skinny and then slapping her on the ass. Something like that. I feel like that might be her to her like first line. <laughs> She's just just mean. Just just a yeah. mean person. Yeah. Uh but all of these people um contribute points of view for somebody and I think this is another thing, you know, we talked about the fresh starts for Din, he hasn't gotten to be his own person, so I think that peeling back the layers through other perspectives is part of why this show became a phenomenon in that way on a character level um, and on a tones level, the directorial styles. And, you know, I mentioned genre, this show also sort of celebrates that it, it, yeah. it is sort of like, I think that the, the, the Mandalorian as a series and book of Boba Fett, particularly book of Boba Fett because of its Tatooine connections and it's Jabba's palace stuff. Um, but this, this, I, I don't like using the term Mando verse. I don't like it, but I'll, I'll use it now because it's become a fan thing. It that is I can't control. Kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. can't control it. I, I would much, I would much rather it be the Mandalorian saga. Um, yeah. But whatever. Maybe. It's not catchy enough. You know, you no, a, I know. Very... You have a verse on everything. <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah, hashtag that. Hate it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, this feels like the spiritual cousin to Return of the Jedi to me in a lot of ways. How Return of the Jedi is sort of all the mm. things. Um, and all, and all Star Wars is to a certain degree, but usually things lean a certain way. Like, yeah, Andor's yeah. got its weirdness, but Andor leans very hard into what Andor is. Mm-hmm. Um, Resistance leads very hard into Star Wars slapstick. Um, mm-hmm. But this one is like, 
you ask somebody what their favorite episode is and they're telling you what in Star Wars they respond to. And that's really, yeah. really cool. Um, you have people that love, 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 you know, I already brought it up, the passenger. That's an episode with a helmeted character and then a costume and a puppet mm-hmm. and the droid puppet for another scene and some CG spiders yeah. uh, that harken back to the old Macquarie art. Uh, you you know our favorite episode is the Jedi, and that's mm. that's Kurosawa straight up. Not even it's not even like subtle homages. There are shots out of Yojimbo that are it's so pure. It's sort of Dave mm-hmm. completing his own creative arc from Last Airbender into working with George, and now into sort of synthesizing that all together. Um, there I know people whose favorite is the rescue because of Luke and how that feels like the original trilogy. There are people whose favorite is um the, still in season one. I believe your favorite is still the child, if not the Jedi. Mm-hmm. It's definitely yeah. the child. Yeah, I think the child ends up ends up sneaking it. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, for me it's for me, I think it's always with the child how much is not spoken. I think that's always which I think again, to your point about what connects to you, I think. I think for me, why that one is so powerful is how it doesn't speak anything to you. Like, I think it's 11 minutes before there's a line of dialogue. Yeah. And it, it's just, it just shows everything. And it, and it, there's a, there's a magic to it. There's a, a secret special spice flowing through it. Um, and I think that is, that's something I, I kind of always gravitate to the, the intangibles i think there's a real yeah intangible thing to the child that it's like oh it just has the magic yeah and Very i don't less know yeah like i don't know how better to explain it than saying i can't explain it <laughs> yeah. like it's it's one of those things and i always feel it's one of those things where like it just has to catch you and i feel like every every sort of star wars thing that i really like has that element to it where it's just like oh you kind of just have to get it I don't know if I can explain it. You just right. have to get it. You know? And even then, um, though, I think that it doesn't take away from at all from what you're saying, because it's true. But what I love is that there are so many levels to get it on. Like, mm-hmm. I think that a kid watching those early Grogu interactions, not only does it is it a masterclass in like why puppeteering and, and creature effects still matter and mm-hmm. why they'll always have a place and how bold it was of them to do something like that right off the bat and be like all right we ended it boom the pilot iconic shot of you know the, their first meeting and then here we go he's floating he's you know he's he's sitting his little heads bobbing he's cooing and stuff mm-hmm. and then a kid he's will eating. get that he's eating a kid will yeah. get that on a very like he has to protect him level mm-hmm. then the more you tune in and maybe like the more engaged you are as a viewer there are whole setup and payoff things that begin like yeah. interact. Like you watch the child without any dialogue and with a character who we should, we should emphasize never has dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, they're telling you, Oh, he has the power to heal and yeah. he's trying to do it, but did he <laughs> picking him <laughs> Put back him up, away, and yeah. putting him back yeah. in his pram uh, that, what you're not realizing in that moment you you get the idea you're like oh he's trying to do something this kid probably has the force and then at the end he does um mm-hmm. but now in retrospect especially after he heals grief and then you know what we saw in rise of skywalker with what ray's able to do we're like 
wow, they were trying to show us a tenderness and a care and a love that he already had for him so yeah. early. Like he immediately Innate goodness claimed him as his dad. Like immediately, yeah, like, yeah I'm gonna help you. Like perhaps if... the Jedi in him. Yeah. The do-gooder. <laughs> yeah. I know, which was another yeah. thing. Like just the boldness of like how this also effortlessly like we talked about it a little bit with what it includes visually and in terms of its like ship and, and choices and things like that sh- ships and droids um but to connect grogu to the prequels and to the originals and to the animation with his relationships with where he comes from with order 66 and ahsoka being the one to reveal his name we didn't even get his name until the second season and then yeah. then we then we appreciate him so much more the show is able to be all things at once and in that sort of find its own identity mm. Like it feels very distinct. Um, the musicality is a huge part of that too. We haven't yeah. mentioned Ludwig once, um, right? Which is like this was because Kevin Kiner. It's not at all to take away from what he does, but he's doing Star Wars by way of John Williams, mm. um, which was always his assignment, and it yeah. still is. And, and Batch, although Batch has started to do its own thing more and more and more, mm-hmm. this was... Wars was still very much that like symphonic yeah exactly and rebels as well but Mm -hmm. this show was the what does star wars sound like after this iconic holy legacy of williams how can it sound and i think all of us had a moment watching the pilot when the we all were like oh my god like Mm -hmm. that's it (laughs) yeah yeah there's something just like insane about it it's like what if the if the saga is the orchestra performing on a stage like what is the music of the staff having a cigarette in the alley you know outside of the theater right like it's it's what is still that world but very different and very like hidden away i think that's that's sort of a with the mandalorian doing so much and like this sort of underbelly of the galaxy Mm mm-hmm it kind of it just yeah it feels like again it's it's so different but it's also now so again like like din ingrained in how we perceive star wars like in general and i think that's that i think is also key in how you know again the 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 show itself is so so good and that i always think in any sort of way um to me a successful star wars entry always makes what comes what makes what came before better mm-hmm. like that's like always sort of this this thing um and i think like again like with the mandalorian like we said it, it, and who's involved with it it's it's informing upon every aspect of the saga every era right it's it's following threads from the prequels especially the original trilogy and then setting setting the groundwork for what we see in the sequel trilogy. It leaves nothing untouched mm-hmm. in terms of the films. And so it always, it improves upon the galaxy in that way. And then even creatively, um, it has expanded the field of what we, what we know. Cause I mean, Ludwig doesn't do it often, but when he pulls something Williams, it's, it's good. Right? Yeah. And it's, I mean, think about the use of the March of the resistance yeah. in, in the passenger, right? Like, it it adds a new flavor to something we already knew. And I think 
again in a way that like you said like not to ever discount what kind of did with animation i think there was less of that in his work mm-hmm. when he when he played with an existing theme it, it was a very like sort of natural progression i think right. um and then he did a lot of his own but when ludwig grabs something from star wars proper it feels or williams proper rather it feels very like oh, that's a new take on that that's that's pretty cool yeah and that's part of why i resent the notion that this is like safe star wars or same star wars or just like you know in the in the post andor discourse which like has nothing to do with andor because andor is 12 episodes of just genius storytelling uh my my issue with it is entirely with the bad faith com- people that say they're comparing that don't actually do compare and contrast um <laughs> that don't actually you know do what they're saying they're doing uh is that like it the boldness of so much of this we talked about like gambling on a puppet to be your co-lead gambling on you know the 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 character of din being played by pedro pascal primarily but it's brendan wayne and it's latif crowder and at least one other person who hasn't gotten the same shine but i think also did some stuff later um <clears throat> it all these different elements the music is one of those where like you said he it, it would be so easy sometimes to put in a classic theme and i think the luke's appearance in the rescue is a key example of that because you've got luke skywalker ludwig knows what the world did not know which was that it's going to be straight up mark hamill and Mm. he could have just done anything that would have been we would have eaten it up and he gave him a new track like Mm. that's insane like the show takes swings like that yeah all the time and and when you hear that track uh it's called a friend when you hear it for the first time as hooded luke is just mopping up dark troopers and doing the force push and just you're 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 just like trying to get a glimpse of his face like you're you're so in it that just felt right i didn't question it at all um mm-hmm. and, and then he gives you a little kiss yeah the, the force thing very later. end the right very end. yeah the briefest it's so little... bold and yeah. i remember we were both up obviously at you know four in the morning when that wrapped i remember you were the first person i talked to after that we facetimed each other Mm -hmm. right after freaking out but also trying to be quiet um and like like oh my god r2d2 oh my god like i can't believe that happened and look if that's wrong i don't want to be right (laughs) (laughs) like you could you could be like oh it's fan service that's not a dirty word man first of all it's it's only fan service if you're not being serviced right like that's the only mm-hmm. time anyone points it out when they're being serviced no one gives a shit no, um no. and i think that that's this show does a great balance of i have no idea what's going to happen i have no idea who some of these people are i have no idea what some of these places are i have no idea what we're doing i have no idea what some of the history is there's still so much as uh, joseph scrimshaw calls it on force center tip of the iceberg storytelling where they'll be like you know, even in the exposition, it was uh, the night of a thousand tears. And you're like, oh, my God, what is that? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like there's so much that's like, we're going to give you this and still leave tons of gaps. Yeah, like, it was yeah. really like fearless in that way. And I think something that's, you know, especially really like touching, I think about it, just thinking about that, that post rescue 
conversation we had mm-hmm. like the for for as for as talented and big i mean john favreau just got his star on the, the walk of fame right um it was mostly right? for, for chef but yes this other stuff yeah, is fine of course too. yeah um but <laughs> but it's like for as much for as big as someone like him is in the industry i mean he made jungle book right and Lion King and stuff, you know, for someone as big as that, (laughs) he and Dave and everyone involved make it with such an earnestness and childlike wonder that I think you are, you are doing yourself a disservice if you don't watch it with a childlike wonder and earnestness. And I think to be, to be so excited about something like that is is so key and again another piece of why i like the child so much there's effectively a a very long action sequence of a boba fett stand-in beating up a bunch of jobless (laughs) (laughs) like it's it's just that peak that peak feeling of playing with your toys yeah like it's like it's playing with your toys come to life and And i think a lot of that's a big thing oh please but but we're going to talk about that as an insult exactly yeah. That is that is a big thing that people I think I think should be celebrated, mm-hmm. but people use as a way to beat it down. How? Like that that like obviously I, I you don't, so like I don't expect you to have the answers as to their bitter psychology, but it's like the fact that well, there's mature television happening, and then this is just action figure, but I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that there is a a, a legion of people on the internet that look down on action figure play when child psychologists will tell you why imaginative play matters. It's one of the best stories ever made. (laughs) That's, that was, that's formative. Like being able to say, what do I have? I've got this, uh, I've got this, uh, job of the hut mug. I'm doing Java story. And then like, you know, grab a wrestling action figure. Okay. He could be in my mind. He'll be like a, like a warrior. Like, like that was like when, when Filoni and Favreau talk about like, your older brother had Luke Han and Leia and you got Boba Fett and Ugnaught. Like, yeah, <laughs> like oh, it's so amazing. Like that's how I process the, the moment I finished the Marshall, which challenged the child as mm-hmm. my top spot for a long time. Yeah. Um, the moment I watched it, I just, I saw myself, I saw countless other kids sitting there in their little playroom, probably with, not even a proper Boba Fett, probably the one that got passed down is all beat up. So yeah. he's like missing the jetpack or whatever, or missing his antenna that you know, doesn't have an antenna. And so you've got that. You've got a cowboy figure. You got a Tuscan Raider, I guess. And then you've got a dragon from a medieval set. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you're just, and you're just playing with them and you're mm-hmm. making something. And like, to me, the martial felt so much like that it just felt like oh this is the kid who had a dragon from something else and a beat up boba fett figure mm-hmm. and he just brought that he just brought that play session to life mm-hmm. <laughs> like and with the fact that we would in, ever... in an aspect ratio you know an yeah with an imax ratio change yeah <laughs> the fact that anyone would ever look down on that speaks just to, to a, a cynicism that star wars yeah. is not about star wars does not yeah. endorse cynicism it is no. always optimistic it's always wanting to reach you on those levels that are, you know, I've said the word universal a bunch in this, this conversation, because that's what it is. Like imaginative play does matter. And it's like to say like, Oh, that's just, there's just grown men playing with their action figures. Like, 
do you think that every child that ever told a story that grew up doing that was Sid from Toy Story, just strapping them to rockets and blowing them up? Like, no, that that's when people realized, and that's when parents realized in their children, oh, mm-hmm. my kid likes to do this. I should get them coloring books. I should put them in theater. I should let the, give them a journal. You know, like that. We'll foster it. That, yeah. Exactly. And like to give back as the original trilogy kids turned now adult creators that Favreau and Filoni are and their entire crew you know we haven't mm. mentioned uh, a lot of the roster but they're amazing and and uh Bryce Dallas Howard Taika Famuyiwa now executive yeah. producing and and it's going to be yeah. directing uh this season as well and and Deborah Chow who then went on to Obi-Wan like my god like mm-hmm. everybody I know I'm not naming all of them but it's just that entire roster for them to say how do we get back in touch with that? Still tell a story that is tackling themes like religious indoctrination, midlife crises, uh, culture, you know, wars between different sects of uh, a people in a diaspora, mm-hmm. like all of these things uh, post-war, you know, fighting the, the the lingering remnants of fascism. Like, it's not like it's just like the frog lady story is just like a frog just jumping around and sticking her tongue out. Like, mm-hmm. She was a struggling mother. Like these are big themes still happening, but also let's give back to the kids Mm -hmm. that we were and that are now in a time when this like it's a really like I don't know if you guys noticed. I'm gonna get really close to my microphone for this. I don't know if you guys noticed. It's a really bad time right now for everyone. <laughs> it's a really yeah. bad time right now. Yeah. And to make something earnest is good. I think that's why like I love Andor and I love House of the Dragon so much. But I am am especially glad for the existence of Mandalorian, Willow and Rings of Power mm-hmm. because I need autumnal warm saturn cute like things right now and i think everyone does mm. and and this show manages to do its original promise you know we said it was a bait and switch magic trick and it was but it's not like the show is not also badass like we could celebrate yeah. that too like Big time din still does he, he still sliced that guy in half with a door mm-hmm. like things he's like that gun, still he's a gunslinging ship flying yeah riding yeah yeah exactly all of that too yeah it's all those things and and i think that you know that's why these conversations are important and that's why you know i said at the top like if you want to prep for the new season star wars explain lots of other great podcasts but what i want here is a conversation that i think we've had um about like this show works for a reason and a show Mm -hmm. doesn't work because a show gets renewed because of its numbers. Mm-hmm. The show lives on because people say, I felt that like that was me or I knew yeah. that story in a really fundamental way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it it's really, I think as all great star Wars does and should, um, it should help you reconnect with something that maybe is from your youth. Again, like nostalgia is not, it's like exposition, right? Like nostalgia gets thrown around like it's a mm-hmm. like it's a bad thing. It's not. It's again, it's it's how it's it's how it's used. It, it's it's it can be a cheap trick. 
Is it always a cheap trick? No. Um, and I think there's something that the Mandalorian really captured about an, a type of nostalgia that isn't about, oh, it's so great seeing stormtroopers again, like original trilogy stormtroopers. It's not that. It's more like it's a nostalgia for the memories of kind of like just existing in that space right like it's it's more it's more wholesome than just something to to tug you at you know a tug like a little like a little pull over over here oh you remember you remember these things right like mm -hmm. didn't you love these as a kid like it's not that it's it's something much stronger and i think you know it again it is it is just a real shame that there's been so much around this show that detracts from the conversation because you're dealing with the people who want to throw the, you know, it's just some guys with the toy box. It's just a cameo fest. Like <laughs> it's, it's just such, to me, like it'll never stop being a shame that that's such a dominating aspect of how this show is discussed. And I think that's like, you said, like it's why this, kind of episode is important because i think we all do need to come together sometimes and just remind ourselves and re or reinforce our beliefs in in you know how how stories can matter um mm -hmm. i think it's it's such a it's such an important thing it's again it's why it's why we go to celebration and cry at panels right yeah. like it's because it matters it's not because it's just like it's not just about an endorphin rush. It's because it, it reaches something much, much more permanent. And I think I can't, you know, obviously if, if somebody feels that way, it, it, like cynically about it, I don't think these episodes, you know, us talking about it will necessarily change their mind. No. And maybe that's, maybe that's unfortunate, but yeah, I think for anybody who feels the way we do about that and are tired of the, the sort of cynic, cynical um, digestion of of this kind of Star Wars storytelling. I think it just means we gotta, we gotta, you know, fight. No, we're not fight, but like we gotta accept that burden harder. <laughs> right? It's yeah, like, oh, you I mean, know what? Like it's like, You're not gonna do it. I'll do it for you. We'll you do know? it more. <laughs> like, be louder about your love. Be a, as I've started to say more and more, like a bastard for good faith. Yeah. Like if you apologetic happiness. Like, exactly. Like in the way that this show is. Like that's yeah. what it wants. Like that's what it's advocating for. It's advocating for um optimism. It's advocating for a better choice. It's advocating for togetherness. Um and so yeah, it's like I don't expect anyone to hear this and have the Danny DeVito like I get it now. Like if they've mm -hmm. already decided that they want to reduce things down and you know and sometimes down to the down to actual just facts like there are certain things that are just matters of opinion if you're not a pulp storytelling person if you're not into creatures and things like that like that's just maybe star wars is not your bag but if you're saying like ahsoka Cobb vanth those characters like it's just cameos like then you're just wrong because like that's mm -hmm. not what that is um yeah as i've said repeatedly online and other places like a great example of a star wars cameo is like chopper and rogue one 
that's mm-hmm. a that's an actual cameo. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's that's what that means. That's a real word. Um, guest stars and recurring <laughs> roles are are other things. Yeah, uh, that matter. And <laughs> you get paid differently. For a, <laughs> oh for yeah, a, for a cameo in it. Yeah, and <laughs> and you and you reduce things these storylines down and and these themes and things that resonate with people. Uh, we're not going to reach those people, but you know, for those of you that listen to this conversation and thought. Well, that is sort of how I felt about this or, mm-hmm. or, you know, if there's something that you feel that we didn't touch on, like, you're like, oh, this is what I love about it. We'd love to hear from you too. And you should be yeah. loud about that. You should yeah. get excited and you should, you know, I don't know. I think do a podcast or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, may as well at this point, right? Yeah. I think, um, I think that's, that's an important life shift. I feel like I had even recently, maybe, maybe it was with sort of bad batch slash book of boba like that window Mm. of time and i think it was like i'm tired of feeling like i have to justify something to someone else yeah or like convince them that this is the way (laughs) um you know (laughs) it's uh i think it's 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 like i've I've gotten out of the business of trying to, to convince someone they should like or watch something and so when we have these conversations like like we said, like I'm not looking to try to convince somebody who doesn't want to, but I think the the thing is, um, I think we can the like minded people can have these conversations, and it reinforces our own beliefs and our own ability to just sort of project the energy we want to project, and not again like I'm not telling nobody should listen to this conversation and feel like. You know what? I'm gonna start going into some chat rooms and you know <laughs> and start speaking the gospel, right? Like I'm gonna at all of my yeah. enemies. <laughs> it's like I I wish I wish that was productive, but I won't endorse that. No. Um yeah, I think it's just about sort of yeah, like a, a rallying or circling of the wagons to, mm. you know, in a way and just being like, This is where we stand and we're gonna stand here and and defend this hill. Um mm. and it's not about not about going and trying to bring people in you know to to believe a certain thing but i think it is about um yeah just again like reinforcing and re-empowering the ability to connect without cynicism mm-hmm. and with, with with the good faith and and in, in, in doing that supporting the world of star wars as it comes to us yeah beautifully said i love that beautifully beautifully said and i think my last point tying into that before we close would be that's another that's another just like elemental spiritual soulful thing that the show does is that when it presents dunjarn with adversity so much of that is based on the world saying well this is how you should be no you choosing love was wrong you taking off your helmet was wrong you need to be this you're an apostate you need to atone you're not supposed to be this way you're not supposed to break guild rules you're not supposed to betray x y and z it's just a world saying this is how you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And he's in the process of rejecting that because of love and because of choosing joy and because of choosing this little, you know, one foot tall gremlin that just came into his life and was like, let's mix it up. Let's change something. Mm-hmm. And Boba Fett goes through that too. Uh, for his part, as these guys parallel each other so much of, he had 
the actual sort of specter of a previous time and Cad Bane say, no, I know what you are. You're a cold-blooded killer. You're this and you're that. What's your angle? You know, all these things. And for him to be like, there's no angle. I'm just better now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. like, And for him to win, like that's yeah. why these shows go together. That's why they matter. That's why, um, you know, Star Wars twice now has given you badass armor dudes that mm. are just trying to go on a journey of sensitivity yeah because they because it was as simple as i'm saying no i know who i am and i and it's not there yet too but yeah yeah i love that too because to say to go back to something you said earlier of how how this feels like return of the jedi mm-hmm. my my favorite scene of any star wars anything mm-hmm. is the hero see looking at all the options people are giving them yeah. or giving him and saying i'm going to choose my own option mm. you know it's death death or death which, which would you choose yeah. <laughs> like actually i choose love um and it's it's the same thing the same the same struggle it's it's about again the world is giving dinjarin options this is yeah. what you can choose from and and his story is to to find his own option and that's what all of you can do if you're listening to this and you love this show. You just choose choose to love it. Choose something that is optimistic and choose something that is sentimental. Sentiment's not bad. Fan service isn't bad. Um, people will try to... I've gone through this a lot recently with other things of people like, oh, you're, you're, are you caping for a corporation? Are you a corpo? It's like... <laughs> I, think, that one. I think we're all smart enough to understand that you know, and oftentimes these are people that like, you know, tweet that while shopping at Jeff Bezos's Amazon's Whole Food. Uh, but it's like, you know, th- th- let's 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 come down from the high horse and just like let people uh, enjoy storytelling. It's not your fault that somebody else owns it. You know, the work is the work. <laughs> there are people that are that are really uh, putting their heart and soul into this. And so this is why at the end of this long conversation, um, we could have three, four more hours of it. But, you know, we got to eat. And like, you know, live life. Um, <laughs> this is why the Mandalorian resonates. This is why the Mandalorian matters. This is why we're excited for the story thus far. This is why we're excited for where it's going to go. And I'm really looking forward to uh, talking about it in shorter, less uh, rigorous, not rigorous, less structured bursts. Um, this is not hard. I need to stop acting like this is hard. It's not. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I... Uh, I mentioned this a little bit in the last one. If you're listening to this, it'll be on the socials as well. Uh, the Mandalorian coverage this season is going to be more diary style. Me short every week, sort of giving my thoughts. I'll pop up other places, but you know, I'm going to get right into the heart of it. Mostly because life's busy. I don't feel like booking guests right now. Part of it's going to happen during Star Wars celebration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of reasons, but I am looking forward to it very, very much to see sort of where din will go uh with this uh, emotional journey um and where star wars will go as this guy on that star wars insider cover has become our guy has become the main character he doesn't need colors on his armor he doesn't need an antenna he doesn't need uh you know cool designs and trim and all this stuff he's got mm-hmm. something very simple and reflective because he's he is a surface that you can see yourself in and i think yeah. that that's by design you know um yeah. so yeah this has been the mandalorian discussion nikki why don't you tell everybody where they can find you what you're up to 
<laughs> Drop yeah, your Venmo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Nikuishus and A-Q-U-I-C-I-O-U-S. Just just doing whatever is going on there. Um just vibes. Then yeah, vibes. Uh you can see um check out the Imperial Senate podcast. It's on a bit of a break right now, but there's always stuff in the the back catalog. If you want to check that out on YouTube or podcast feeds, you can find that at Twitter on Twitter at Senate Pod. Check out One and Done Film Club, one letter and done show. Also on a bit of a break, but great episodes in the tank for you. Um then of course rewatch between worlds, which you can find right here on this very channel. That'll be back into action very soon because we love rebels very dearly. And uh, there's a little uh, Ahsoka show coming that you know may pick up on a few uh, rebels threads. So we so we hear. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then and then yeah, of course uh, every now and again uh, with the cast really talk boys Alden and Ken. Yeah, see, see you around there too. Absolutely. Yeah. Casually talk where Ken Napsock from Force Center and I discuss Ice and Fire, be that GOT, Hot D. We've got Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, Willow. That's where all of our Willow coverage was. So, you know, if you were like, oh, Octa Radio took a bit of a break um, outside of a couple episodes. It's like, yeah, that's true. But I was still covering Lucasfilm stuff. So that was just over there. The most blissful, just just eight weeks or seven weeks rather, yeah. um, of our of our Lucasfilm loving lives. Just... Willow, Willow is good. Willow, let me so tell you good. right now, it was good. My goodness, <laughs> I'm gonna start. Up. I'm gonna start bait and switching people. I'm gonna be like, oh, new Octa Radio, and it's just gonna be like <laughs> Willow discussions again. There were there were eight episodes of Willow. There's gonna be eight episodes of Mando. Mm-hmm. Every single Mando review is actually just. It's just Mando a re- diary is a, a, a re-upload of the casually yeah. talk willow discussions yeah. yeah honestly and you would all be grateful because it was so good um yeah casually talk uh oxer radio everywhere ahchtr radio myself at that alden diaz t-h-a-t-a-l-d-e-n-d-i-a-z all over socials um really excited to do more of these got some interviews coming up going to be talking to sam mags the author of star wars jedi battle scars uh that's going to be first. After that, we're going to talk to Dr. Lydia Kang, who is both a doctor and an author, which like, come on, like leave something. Just like Dr. Mandible. Just like Dr. Mandible. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Mandible, PhD. Yeah. Um, you know, the author of uh, Star Wars Cataclysm. He's <laughs> <laughs> also a lawyer. <laughs> I, I would love it if he just kept popping up and was more esteemed every time. John, John, listen, you can have that one for free. Yep. Just keep, just keep free, bringing yeah. it in. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this has been great. So for right now, we're gonna call it. We will catch you next time right here on Oxo Radio. This is the way. Punch it, Chewie.